doing some devotions, uh, reflections uh, from Luke. Um, and we'll launch into Luke next year uh, as we head into Easter. Um, but for December, we're just going to spend some brief moments uh, just reflecting on uh, the Christmas story and Christmas events as they're told by Luke. Uh, we're going to be looking at a few verses, but I'm going to read uh, from Luke chapter 1 and verses 1 to 38. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along, well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. 
The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I just want to share some thoughts on this passage that we've just read. Many of you know this. You've heard it before. Uh, and what we have are two births that are foretold. I wonder for you uh, whether or not uh, when you turned 18 uh, there was a little nest of money that had been set aside for you by your parents. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. We're trying to put a little bit aside so that when our kids come of age that there will be something that we can give them. Now I wonder though, regardless of the amount, if you understand that your parents had taken time to set that aside for you, what's that worth? Opposed to them giving the exact same amount, just on a whim. How would you feel about those two scenarios? For some of you, you understand the time and the effort and the work that parents have gone into to set things aside for you. And when we read these stories, it's easy to glimpse over them and forget that these births have been millennia in the making. Because we remember that the Christmas story happened at a very particular time, in a very particular place, under very particular circumstances. And so when we read these, they can become familiar and we can gloss over them. But I want to read uh, two passages again. First, about John. Uh, as Gabriel, the angel, is speaking to John, 
He tells him what John will do. Verse 14, He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then Gabriel says this of Jesus. Verse 32, He will be great, and He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David, and He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We find out more what that looks like. But here, we have these two births being told. But these have been planned well in advance. And what strikes me and what should strike us about Christmas is there are no accidents. There are no, let's see how this goes. Everything is planned. Everything is purposed so that God would make ready a people for Himself. Because before this first Christmas, the Israelites, but also the world, is waiting. They're waiting. And if you know history, history is not pleasant or kind. It is filled with the ups and downs of the human experience, even as we live it now. And people waited for something that would give them hope. And these two births at the beginning of Luke are the beginning, the planned and purposed beginning of God's plan to change the world. And so as we get into this Christmas season, one of the things we should remind ourselves is God's been planning this. And every detail of to bring people to Him. To draw people back to Him. And we see particularly in John that He will bring the, turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And that's what the Gospel does. It changes hearts. Where broken relationships exist, there is healing and restoration. And when there is unwise decisions and disobedience, there is newfound wisdom. And God has planned this right from the beginning of time. Because in the beginning, people chose to take matters into their own hands. They chose to forget and ignore the plans and purposes of God. Where God had given them this garden with every possible need they chose the one thing that he said to leave alone 
And from that moment, God set in motion this plan. And we see the beginnings of it here. So let me leave that with you and I hope that encourages you. And as we get into the rest of Christmas, that you remember that this isn't just another story. This is something that's been in motion since time began. And I hope that encourages you. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not a God who simply acts on a whim. That you are a God that plans and purposes each and every person, each and every life, but also all of history. And while there are moments that we have questions and doubts and uncertainties, especially in these days. Help us to remember that nothing escapes your notice and that you are working to bring about your plans and your purposes. And as we enter into this Christmas season, that we would be reminded again that you are at work and that your gospel continues to be at work and that you will bring all things together at just the right time that you might draw people to you and that they might find life in the Lord Jesus. And so help us as we look forward to Christmas, as we prepare ourselves for it, we ask that you help us to remember that. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.